Hello, everyone. We welcome you to our Saturday morning Bible study. We're so glad you could join us today. Today, we're recording from the North Star Cottage, nestled deep in the woods of the great eastern forest of New Jersey. And we welcome you all today. And our moderator today is Thomas from New York. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Dear Father, Mother, Thou dost grant all good and perfect gifts to me. Tis mine to raise this beacon here, obedience unto Thee. He knows not death who life obeys, nor errs at all when truth he heeds. While merged in love, what hold has hate upon his thoughts or deeds? Eternal life and truth and love, they who, by, who obey thine every call, thy freemen are, and freely have dominion over all. Now, this is uh, hymn 48. Beautiful and beautifully read. Thank you. Wow, what a message. Good message. Good message. Hmm. Tis mine to raise the beacon here. On us to do this work. Thank you. You know, Mrs. We know Mrs. Zetti says somewhere she says obedience gives man power and strength. Uh, obedience to truth gives men power and strength. That's what she said. And um, it certainly does. And the story we're going to talk about proves, proves that. Thank you. I love it. It's hard to say anything about it. It's perfect as is. Yes. You know, life obeys. More. At all when truth be heeds. How do you have what is deed given if we are not being obedient? Yeah. We lose out on a lot when we're not being obedient. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we lose out on being free men. Free men, yeah, that is. And, you know, this, this Bible study goes well with our lesson on truth and yes. being free. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, well, we're obeying something so how important it is to be so firm in our mind that God it is that is our life and that we stand with him and then if we obey that just, just think of all these good things that are ours being free and having dominion off oh. Tom, do you want to? Do you want to? someone have their computer on. Yeah, Elizabeth, we're getting an echo from you. That's why I'm muting you. If you have your computer on, it causes an echo. Tom, do you have something to add? 
Uh, yes. So is, is it me that's causing the problem? No, no. He said it was oh. a list. It's, it's a oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. I misunderstood. So, um, yeah, this is kind of interesting. The uh, It almost seems like an oxymoron, right? That we're obedient to God and then we are free men, right? Well, I'm not sure I can articulate that, but that seems to be an important point coming from this. Um, well, I think it's a point that a lot of people miss. A lot of people, uh, it's certainly a point that um, it, it is missed by people who don't really know the science that well, because there's a condition to our protection and being protected and being provided for. And the condition is that we obey his commandments. Not everybody's willing to do that. In fact, it appears that a lot of people, a lot of people are not willing to do that. <laughs> well, it also appears that a lot of people are ignorant of the need yeah. to do it. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think that's so, and yeah. the value of it, yeah. And that's where we come in. Yes. And our testimonies on Wednesday. <laughs> right. People do mention the testimonies, how much all your testimonies help them, how how to apply this science in small ways, so-called small ways, as well as larger ways. Well, I also think it's interesting that uh, it says obedience unto thee. And ends with that uh, we freely have dominion over all. Yeah, I mean, in the in this week's lesson, Mrs. Eddie says, "Man was not, you know, created to till the soil. We were created to have dominion. I mean, it's it's all over in general." This one, right? Yeah. Mm. Well, and I love how Martha Wilcox says obedience to your own understanding, because that really holds you very accountable. Thank right? you. Because if you understand it, you better be doing it. <laughs> yes, that's right. Otherwise, you are a hypocrite. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. when, when you know better, you do better, right? Yeah. It's a 24-7 job, right? But mm -hmm. it's a glorious one. And your understanding may not be as large as somebody else's, but obedient to what you do understand. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's the only way you grow. You have to start from where you are. Mm -hmm. You know, and Jesus said the faith, even as a grain of mustard seed, can move mountains. So whatever little we may have, if we're faithful to it and active with it, it's an amazing how much can be done for good. All right. Great. So I think that's a good way to start out for our topic on the story of David and Goliath. So I think this is interesting. So we all, I'm sure we all do, but most of us, let's say, know the story of David and Goliath. So 
what can we learn from a story that we all know, right? Probably known since we were children. So can we learn something from that? So we shall see, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, the readings, um, of course, this is the story Dave and Goliath come from First uh, Samuel chapter 17, so the entire chapter. And then uh, some optional readings were provided. Um, so I provided the life story of Martha Wilcox. Um, I just was reading her recently and uh, uh, was just uh, a bit overwhelmed with how she writes in a very um, simple, understandable, straightforward way and um, very, you know, clear, correct Christian science. So um, I thought this would be a chance for everybody to kind of learn more about her if you didn't already. Then included an article on overcoming by obedience by Martha Wilcox, because there's a section on there where she talks about David and Goliath. Um, I also collected some articles from the Plainfield website all about David and Goliath, so hopefully people have had a chance to read that, um, plus some notes on uh, um, uh, vocabulary and uh, some Bible terminology or measurements. So, um, for our first question, this is a Bible study, so I kind of like to start out with uh, something about the Bible, whether it's geographical or whatever. But so this one is, how tall was Goliath and how heavy was his coat of armor? Well, he was about, according to what I read, it was about, he's about 10 feet, three inches. It was between nine feet, nine inches to 11 mm. feet, four inches. So they put it around 10 feet, three inches, which I can't even imagine. <laughs> that, but that's what that, that's what, how tall he was. And then his armor was 78 pounds. And that's um, quite a lot of <laughs> metal. <laughs> Um, on this big body. And so the picture was very formidable and scary to the Israelites. You know, and I was also thinking how the Israelites had, um, they, they begged Samuel for a king. And, and the Israelites were never to be allowed to have, they were not to have a king. They were to supposed to just all trust in God. And they had insisted that they wanted a king to rule over them. And even though he, for a while, was defeating the, you know, the enemies, but where was he now in their hour of need? He was so pitifully fearful, and it said in the Bible, the spirit had left him, um, which is why David had to sing for him at some point to bring. And so who really saved them was this, you know, the, the David. So I, I just thought about that this morning, how this is what the Israel. So they weren't relying on their own understanding, what they had been taught. They were relying on somebody else. So, of course, when Goliath comes around, they're absolutely in a panic. Very good point. Good point. And so it is today. And so it is today when people are relying on mammon 
and then things get too far out of hand and everyone gets into a panic. How much can the medical do for us? <laughs> you know, how many do we are we going to have to take? Um, people are beginning to realize our health does not come from mammon, but from God. So thank you. Good point. I have the site uh, from the Bible that you're talking about. I, I read it last night. It was very interesting. They insisted on a king. Uh, like all nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. I thought, whoa. Yeah, whoa. <laughs> First battle comes along, you can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> He's powering in his, in his throne room. Well, it shows they, they didn't want to be accountable, to be held accountable for their own position, hmm. for their own thinking for their own c controlling their thoughts, for their own obedience. They didn't want to be held accountable, which is, which is exactly what you, which leads to things like communism, right? Mm -hmm. People don't want to be held accountable for their own actions and their own thoughts. Yeah. They don't want to be free. It's, it's a very sad commentary, and that is why People that are awake and working, we must defend our individual rights and not get into where government is deciding decisions for us because it's not to be trusted. It, it's it's it always ends up into the human mind and rather than turning to God for our answers individually. This is a very important point for now, as well as it was for them. And, you know, the comparison is so striking between Saul and Gideon. Saul had the position of king, and he couldn't fight the battle. And Gideon was just a very humble laborer, and the angel came, and Gideon did fight the battle. We're talking 300 men versus how many hundreds of thousands. And they wanted to make him king, and Gideon said no. They wanted to make him and his grandchildren everybody king. Gideon said no. I will not rule over you. The Lord God will rule over you. So he stated a very fundamental statement of truth that apparently Saul and the others missed. Thank you. Good point. Well, I kind of think that there is a difference between being a child of the Jews and being children of Israel. You know, Israel was that elevated thought. And if you're going to be a child of Israel, you have demands on you. But if you're just going to be the other way, then that's... that's yeah, it's a well. human. No, that's a good point. Because Israel, the, the spiritual definition of Israel is the elevated thought. It's not a race. It's not a nation. It's not a human thing. Right. Thank you. Oh. It's what is real, <laughs> right? Exactly. I think if that's known, it would be very helpful, but it's not. That's true. If it's that's a race, and it's not. And it's not. It is not. But I think about Jesus sending his disciples out to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's really everyone, you know, every. Everyone who's not following right now is the lost sheep, and they need to be found. Right. 
And, and Peter had to discover that in a, a vision, didn't he? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I've been, again, Carrie sent me things. Uh, these are her contributions. She sent something about the Philistines, uh, what they represented. And they represented brute force and insolent pride and heathen worth worship as opposed to higher thoughts of duty and justice and the presence and power of God with his people. So the name Philistine has been used in modern times, times accordingly to represent opposition to light and knowledge and advancement. So, yeah, often when we talk of things, we, we are talking not about people, but about states and stages of thought. And, and that way you can get a better grasp and understanding of it and you don't feel sorry for people that you realize, you know, either it's representing the Christ truth or it seems to be representing mortal mind conditions. And also it, it helps you not to condemn oh, those people and those people know. That's they right. Mm -hmm. That's thank you. Yeah. It's very important. We do not condemn people. Also, going back to what Jeremy said, talk about the Jew, Israel, and the Jew. Uh, a lot of religions today. Um, I'm not being like against a particular religion, but. Um, Listening to the news, or some you can hear some people who don't really know God or the Bible, who may never actually read the Bible at all. They don't know actually the spiritual meaning of this world when you talk about Israel. And, and you see the way they talk about it. Even the people from the country, Israel themselves, many of them, if at all, actually know the true meaning of Israel and the Bible. When, they talk about Israel, and the way they talk about it these days, I don't want to use the word blessing, but it's like they are actually talking about it in a very downward instead of a lifted thought, like you said. Well, that's the problem when you humanize yeah. a, a divine idea, or when you try to institutionalize humanly a divine idea. You know, what Today, commonly, Israel is considered a, a nation, and there are a lot of people around the world who think that that, quote, that nation is, is blessed somehow, or different somehow. And that's the problem, because it's not. It's, God does not, is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of of anything human. <laughs> I think Jesus and the Chosen telling the sons of thunder, you think you're special, but you're not. Exactly. So refreshing. Yeah, and, and this, you know, anything with any divine idea. And we 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 see it with Christian science, don't we? We yeah. see a humanization of the science. We see a humanization of Mrs. Eddy's place in history. And as a result, the organization that is humanized 
or seen humanly doesn't succeed. It can't succeed because it, because Go ahead, Lawrence. Yeah. No, it's like, okay, Christian scientists, so we shouldn't have any problems of something like that. We're so special, right? And yet there may be somebody who is not a Christian scientist but has more faith and trust in God and living the, you know, in obedience to the laws of God more than the Christian scientist. Thank you. Thank you. Very, very true. Exactly. That's the point of Good Samaritan. Yeah. Right. Because being a Christian scientist is not a human thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I do. Remember, okay. I don't know whether it's prevalent right now, but there was a feeling if you were a Christian scientist, somehow you were special. <laughs> that, that does not go over. No. You're only. And for those that think, oh, you're gonna, I'm going to get into Christian science so I can live a problem free life. Uh, going to lead to disappointment because from my experience being in Christian science the thing about it is it tends to bring problems out from undercover and exposes them so as a practical matter what I've seen is the Christian scientists actually have more to contend with in the way of problems but we have more to work with well they yeah to overcome, they come out to be healed. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Tom. Okay, um. <laughs> because it's an honor and a privilege to, to, to know about Christian science and be a Christian scientist. Right? Correct. That's, and, that's and, the thing that... And a responsibility. And the responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Am okay, I living so. a life that's a sermon, like you've said here before? Am I living a life that is a sermon to those who are observing me? Mm -hmm. Yes. So. Right. And, the, and the Jews who wanted a king were not willing to accept that responsibility. Bad idea. So um, Bruce brought up an interesting point about bronze being revealed and using our understanding to solve them or you know um just just for clarity's sake so our question two is what does goliath represent now the importance of this is martha wilcox says that uh, goliath represented unscientific thinking so if we think of the third question how was david able to kill goliath uh the simple answer is with a stone and I guess end of discussion. <laughs> but if we understand what Goliath represents, then we can understand what David did, right? So Martha Wilcox said that David had scientific thinking. So again, our question is, what does Goliath represent? And, and I should add here that you can get this from reading um, the chapter on David and Goliath, and you can also get it from the articles that were posted for this Bible study. Um, there's a lot of good points in there about um, David and, and Goliath in those articles. Yeah, that was great. Thank you so much for doing that, Tom. Those are just wonderful articles. Yes, they were. I like, oh, excuse me. I like the article that Tom, 
Tomlinson mentioned that Goliath represented not just error, but discouragement and worry. And I thought, those are two biggies sometimes to deal with, are discouragement and worry. They take you right off of thinking good thoughts, if you let them. Thank you. Yeah. And haven't we all been there before? (laughs) I like what the uh, Watch 153 that uh, Tom included in the articles. It states that Christian science does not equip man with greater and greater power so that he may go forth to meet the gigantic forces of evil. But it takes from his eyes the magnifying glasses of sense testimony, which cause error to loom up as real, swollen in size and power. So it's always a distortion, um, a wrong view of what you're seeing. You magnify the error, so it becomes like, okay, as you say, like a Goliath to you. And you're, you're the grasshopper over there and the big Goliath standing here. So it's a distortion. If we're seen clearly scientifically, this is what Christian science teaches us, then you go to the problem with the faith and that in, you know, with courage instead of magnifying what's before you and being so dwarfed by it. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, Goliath, you know, represents every problem that comes to you, every obstacle that comes to you that seems to be large, seems to be personal. Yes, it says, give me a man, right? Goliath says, give me a man, meaning that um, it, Mortal mind just wants a man to pronounce its lies. And without a man, it can't do it. Yeah, personal sense. Correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Personal sense. But that, that is, you know, what Florence said is wonderful, that quote from The Watching Point, because people think they have this big, huge problem. I know Vic Del Young says, well, think of what you have to meet it with, which is God. But I, I've also found in my own life and observed when you do not face your problems, you just ignore them, you avoid them, you, you don't like confrontation, and things do seem to build up until suddenly you've got this huge thing on your hand. So mm. this is why it's it, our so-called huge thing. It's always the illusion, as, as was brought out. It's always... Uh, Animal magnetism, which is a belief that there is a power apart from God. But it is so much better if you meet your problems on a day-to-day basis. You do not go through your life ignoring all the problems you're having with a spouse or other things, hoping it'll get better eventually. You've got to face things as they come up. I'm, I'm saying spouse. It could be anything. Anything that seems to loom up problems at business or health problems, you've got to face them each day. Um, knock down the Goliath when he was just a little tiny boy. <laughs> not, when he, not when he gets to be 10 feet tall. Do, do what Eve did not do. Matt, handle the serpent when it tr- tries to get you to have a conversation with it. Yeah. Deal with it mm-hmm. then. 
and then it won't grow into a swollen red dragon. Right. Revelation. And and if you have gone that path and not faced your problems, and then you seem to have this swollen red dragon, then you apply all that we're talking about. It still works. It's still the truth. And and the one little stone can knock it down. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's a fake. It is a fake. It is a fake. It's not true. It's not real. Doesn't matter how long it's gone on or what it claims to be. It is not the truth. And that little stone is whatever you know of the truth. Mm-hmm. However small it may seem to be, mm-hmm. the truth, a small amount of truth, is more powerful than all the lies and illusions in the world. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Tomlinson art. So, um, missile, a missile of truth, which <laughs> I love. <laughs> So, uh, you know, one reason for the question about how tall Goliath was was um, it's a comment, uh, the statement written by Maxwell Coote, an article in Sentinel, 1922, that Goliath represented uh, an overwhelmingly large error or force, right, to scare us, right? And Martha Wilcox wrote that Goliath uh, was you know, mesmerized the Israelites that he was invincible. So this is kind of what David was faced with, an overwhelmingly large error or force, and then this mesmerization that Goliath was invincible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it gets you to think this whole mortal picture is real and invincible. That's the whole thing. And, and isn't that what a pandemic is all about? Yes, yes. to mesmerize right. you into. And I love what Parthen said about Goliath presented himself as a mountainous heap of intimidation. <laughs> <laughs> and as Florence said, we're this little grasshopper on the side. <laughs> and Linda's article made the point. It went on and on and on, day after day after day. That's what the pandemic did, still doing it, on and on and on and on. Uh, day and night, it will it'll accuse you and just intimidate you. And I'm big and I'm the authority. Bow down to me. Yeah. Really, all the medical medical verdicts really intimidate. I mean, I think people probably die from the fear more than the thing itself. Most definitely, a mountainous heap of intimidation. Jeremy. Oh yeah, just the fact that. You know, the, the pandemic made it so that everyone around us was telling us this. You know, it wasn't just coming from one source. It was all around us. Everywhere. Just like the situation David walked into. Right. Yes. You know, they were willing to let some little kid go that they didn't even know who he was. <laughs> <laughs> probably just as well they didn't know who he was because David knew who he was and he clung with his true identity. These are a couple of things that um, Carrie sent. One, a 1903 issue of the journal, I guess. Methods of fighting by Saul, Goliath, and David. Saul, who would clothe David with armor, represents those Christians who would use the world's means to conquer the world. Goliath, who saw only David's staff and overlooked the sling, which was the means of his defeat and death, 
represents the world which ridicules the church for its apparent weakness. Don't we know that's true? And knows nothing of the mighty power of the Holy Spirit, which the church has at it as its command. But, you know, so many Christians agree. Yeah, we're weak and, and we don't have any power. Well, the hell you say. David, who was not afraid of Goliath's great weapons and show of strength, and who did not even depend on his own weapons, but on the Lord, represents the good soldier of Jesus Christ, who relies not on his own strength, but on the mighty power of God, and goes bravely forth to the apparently unequal conflict with the world and the evil of the world, confident of victory through the ever-present help of the Lord, whom he serves. And then this, and this is from Mrs. Eddy in Miscellaneous Writings. There was no spiritual Jesus of Nazareth. The spiritual Jesus is after the similitude of the Father, without personality or fin finity. Finity. Excuse me, finity. That goes along with what Elizabeth was saying. No personal sense. Then one taint of worldliness, human pride, or self-will, by demoralizing his mo his motives, would have dethroned his power. So you see the purity of the man Christ Jesus. And that was true of David, too. To carry out his holy purpose, he must be oblivious of self. He had no fear for his personal safety, did he? Christ Jesus or David. And then of the lineage of David, like him, he went forth. We're talking about Jesus here. He went forth simple as the shepherd boy to disarm the Goliath. Penelope. 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 Yeah, Penelope. Past tense. Penelope. Thank you. Penelope. with the strength of an exalted hope, faith, and understanding. He conquered the three in one error the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so there, Mrs. Eddy is saying that that is what Goliath represented, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Yeah. So I thank you. So, very good. I'd like to read something that from the article that Linda wrote. Um, I think it really speaks to the theme of today's discussion. So she writes here, error always attempts to take our weapons and use demoralizing taunts as Goliath did to the Israelites for 40 days. It uses discouragement and fear to cause us to surrender to its control. So, you know, in the hymn that we read today, you know, it's about being obedient to God and gives us freedom and dominion. And then she goes on, interestingly, every time the Israelites drifted away from God, 
they came under the control of the Philistines. So think about it. The Israelites did not seek control by the Philistines. They just forgot God. Yeah. And then look what happens. Thank you very much. Hugely important and hugely important for today. Yeah. We have been watching something about the history of our of our country, the early founding fathers, and how Christian they were, how they turned to God and everything they did. And they knew that in order for our freedom to continue, we must do the same thing. And there's no question about it because it's trying to be rewritten that they weren't that way. And it's it's just not true. We have fact after fact after fact that this is true. So when we give up, when we become secular and we're willing to have other people rule us, whether it's big government or big church or whatever, we will lose our freedom. Mm-hmm. And we have been. And these men proved that they were fiercely independent. And they saw things in many different ways, but they were in um, an accord with that man should be independent and free and had divine rights. And they prayed and they came together. So they proved that you can come together and work together and, and govern, but not dictate. You know, like yeah, these early, yeah, or early. And, and one thing I never knew, we were like one vote away from abolishing slavery. It was King George that we were under at that time that insisted, you know, we had to be had to have slavery. I didn't know any of these things. Um, and that was before the Revolutionary that War. That was before right. the Revolutionary yeah. War. In the 1700s. Exactly. That was the year. 1774. And there's documents. These are from documents. Yeah, these mm-hmm. are documented proof of this. And my gosh, if that had happened, we would have been... Never had that war. Never have had that war. But there was this fight, and and some of it, it you know, America is made up of Europeans. Remember that. So, and and the at that time, the the English, the king, insisted that there be slavery. There were many attempts not to have slavery in America at that time. Anyone with any sense, here we were fighting for freedom and independence, would know. Yeah. Not right, that's late. Good grief. So it wasn't, it, it was a, a combination of a lot of things that happened, but. The, the battle was brewing for a long, long time. Yes. In this country. It finally, and because it didn't get taken care of soon, right. it ended up in a really wicked, vicious war, bloody war. Like the Goliath that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And also uh, getting away from the Christian principles of the Sermon on the Mount, which makes it very evident and obvious that we love our neighbors ourselves. Therefore, there's slavery. There's... It doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. It, it, It is entirely against anything Christian. Yeah. And the other thing that I thought was significant was that Thomas Jefferson had a very strong statement that he was going to put in the Declaration of Independence. And instead, it was opposed by some of the southern states that didn't want to be stated that way. So we got with this mitigated statement that all men are created equal. But if you would have seen what he was going to put in there in its place before then, you would have known exactly where he stood on this issue. 
but it didn't make it because it was opposed by Georgia and South Carolina. <laughs> well, that we go back goes back to don't tell me what to do. I want to be free to do what I want to do. You can't tell me what to do, rather than what is God telling you to do? Exactly. Well. <laughs> And, and Mrs. Eddie explains this somewhere. I'm sorry, I don't know where. But she explains that freedom, true freedom, is the freedom to do right. That's right. You're not freedom to do evil. A man is self-governed when he is governed by God. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it all goes back to this obedience unto thee issue that we talked about earlier this yeah. morning. Yeah, Mrs. Evans would say, you know, if you have trouble in your home with children obeying, you tell them in, in this house, and this is actually what Joshua said, in this house, we obey God, all of us. I have to obey him, you have to obey him, we all obey God. It, it's, yeah. it's not a battle of wills. Right. Yeah. And it's not personal. Yeah. And yeah. children children understand that. They do. Yeah. But thank you. Whoever that was, Karen, whoever that, that's it's an, Karen. yeah, this is the argument. Well, we have the right to do whatever. Well, we don't have a right. We, to, we don't have the right to do whatever. We're wrong. <laughs> we have the right to walk and to enslave people. We don't have that right. It's not of God. Also in the treatment for every day, number six, you know, this, this treatment for every day, um, these uh, 10 points really does covers everything um but in number six it says there is no evil condition of thought that can argue or suggest or make any law to dominate me or control me intimidate me or crush me or bring any evil to pass upon me or shut out of my consciousness any good and that goes along with what we're talking about today, too. Uh, but this treatment for every day covers everything. Thank you. Uh, it's Yes, thank you. And, and knowing that, even if you are in enslaved conditions, you, you can find some release in knowing this truth. It's very powerful. I mean, you see, Joseph, mm-hmm. other prophets, they were in slavery. We were in slavery to the Egyptians. But many found release. Many slaves found release. And thank God they were given the gospel, at least to some degree. And that's what helped free them. Yes, Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman. Great, great. Yeah, they're wonderful. And, yeah, well, they're wonderful examples all through history of people who have overcome Slavery, and of course, the beautiful story in the lesson this week of Peter. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh wow. (laughs) That's it. That was wonderful. (laughs) And the damsel. And the damsel. Just for clarity, because we are talking about what do we do about those things that Goliath represents. But uh, question number three, which we are already talking about, is how was David able to kill Goliath. So sort of understanding what Goliath represents, what do we do about it? Well, Martha, David had already proved that 
God had already saved him. He was re- unlike the the um, other Israelites. He had been proving, like we talk about here, and practicing it every day. Our, he was practicing it every day in his taking care of the sheep. He fought off the lion and the bear, but he knew it was with God that he was doing these things. That he had, and so he always gave power to God to protect him and his sheep. And so coming against Goliath, he'd already proved the power of God to protect him. And so it wasn't, even though it was intimidating, but he had already proved it in his daily, uh, in his daily job. So he did it like we're supposed to be doing this daily. He was doing it daily. So, So thank you for that. That's a very important point. Um, I read some Bible commentary. They said that uh, with the lion and the bear, it's obviously the way it was written that it's meant that it was like on different occasions. So this kind of gives the idea that uh, David always had courage. So this wasn't just something like, oh, now I need to have courage, right? They were saying that he'd always been this way, right? He'd always been obedient. Walking the walk. And he wasn't afraid his trust for God. I'm sorry. David was willing to trade in his trust for God for material means that were offered to him. I thought that was really important. Yeah. I I also saw that that he he had he knew that Goliath was an error and that there had to be some weakness and God was superior to it. And, and then God led him to what that weakness was. That's the best I could come up with. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And he had the right vision. I think David had, because of his, you know, unity with God, walking with God, walking the walk, as we should say, you know, all the time, he had the right vision of, of what Goliath was over there doing. He saw the nothingness and the powerlessness of it and the mighty power that he had because of his walk with God and went running. I like that, Mary, in your article. Hmm. David went running to Goliath. So, Yeah, yeah because he, David saw that this was not a personal problem. Yeah. It was not a national problem. Yeah. It was an offense to God. Yes. Mm-hmm. The, the, this wasn't an, an attack on the Israelites. Right. It wasn't an attack on Saul or any any of his brothers. It was an attack on God. Mm-hmm. And he knew that that, that was an offense that, that could not stand. Mm-hmm. So it was God who killed the error. And David was just the messenger. Thank you. That that is perhaps the most important point of all. That's my favorite part in the Bible where it says, I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee unto my name. And who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should be the of the living God? I I tell you, 
that in your arsenal and you will you will have a good day i promise you mm-hmm. defy the armies of the living god are you kidding me who are you who are you pandemic to tell us that we're cowering sick people before this who are you? You're defying the armies of the living God that says that health is our divine right. We got to get some. <laughs> like David had it, and that's why he could run to meet it. How many of us would run to meet Goliath? I don't know. But he, he run away. <laughs> that's okay. Run away. Yeah, run away. You run away. Instead. Back, back to what you were saying about facing your problems and not not just pushing them away. That's what David did. He ran to meet Goliath, and we have to face down these these claims and lies that come to us instead of shirking from them. Exactly. Exactly, and that is what moral courage is all about. Yeah, that's it, and that was because, last week's Because the world will ridicule you when you do this. Yes. But when you see a, an insurmountable problem, a problem that's that, that seems... To, to try to intimidate you, recognize it is not personal. It is not after you. Hmm. It is after your Christ. Yes. It is trying to take you from, <laughs> from heaven on earth. In other words, it's trying to take you away from your connection with God. And that's all it's trying to do, because it knows that the Christ that is within you is the destroyer of the error, whether the error is, you know, uh, a a disease, so-called, or a financial problem, so-called, or a a relationship problem, so-called. It's an attempt to take your Christ from you. And if you mm-hmm. let it take your Christ from you, and if you continue to be obedient to your understanding of the Christ, you will defeat it. God will defeat it for you. <laughs> also, one of the things that we'll try to present to you is, and we've seen this a lot lately, is the feeling that you would have nothing to offer. And that is not true. Thank you. That's one of the nice little discouraging things to get you to be quiet is, as Imogen so, yeah. so said on her testimony, wasn't going to shut her up. Look, she's been giving testimonies every week. You think yeah. she doesn't have mm-hmm. trying to get her to be quiet, but she rises up against it. And yes, this is the moral courage. And it, it when you love God, it will rise up in you. And Mrs. Eddy said we should not be offended at anything, a soul, a whole soul woman, woman is never offended at anything except it being to God. Yes, and then we become David. When it's an offense to God, that moral courage rises up, and we are willing to say whatever needs to be said, and it doesn't matter who we are confronting, what face it is wearing. You know, um, Reg Carey used to tell us uh, that animal magnetism would come, some usually come through our nearest and dearest. Yeah. It would wear the face of our nearest and dearest. So we would accept it and not not challenge it. But we must be willing to challenge it, whatever face it wears. Um, 
Yeah, those of your own household. Those of your own household, yes. Because this is where, you know, if you overlook, 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 then eventually you seem to have some big problem. And it's not necessary. You, you've got to be willing to take it, take up the cross every day. And this is what it means to take up the cross and not be nice. And I, I love that Martha Wilcox article where she says, are we really aware of how much of the time we give power to life and intelligence and persons weighing and fearing what personal man will think or say or do unto us? This is all unscientific thinking, and we should overcome it by the reflection of the thinking that is the activity of the divine mind. In Christian science, there is no personal selfhood. The only selfhood is God, and every individual man reflects him. The first time I read that, I thought, holy Moses, that's true. I'm spending all this time thinking about this one did that. <laughs> it was very healing. And when you do this, you will bless everyone, not just yourself. But you will bless the, 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 the person who seems to be wearing the face of error at the time. And think of, think of David and Goliath. Think of the Philistines. This experience where David killed Goliath was actually a blessing for the Philistines. Think of it. The Philistines saw something that should be a great blessing for them if they would take it and see it. And when we stand up to error and destroy it in our experience, that is a blessing for everybody who witnesses it, everybody who hears about it. Yeah, it's good when you learn that everything you trust is not trustworthy. Yeah, And what blesses one blesses all. And if it blesses one, it will bless everyone. You can count on it. That's a, a law. Mrs. Eddie's given us that principle. I also go back to what Bruce was talking about earlier. When you become Christian scientist, it's not a coincidence. Because Personally, I think, um, as we all know, nothing happens outside of God's government. We coming to this uh, mission is the will of God. Um, as a result of that, there's no problem that we cannot solve as Christian scientists. And whatever is rising, he's, he's raising his voice as Goliath, or growing as tall as he wants. Um, God has chosen us to solve these problems. Um, I think David recognized that, the way he ran to him, and he recognized that, yeah, God has chosen me to stop this guy. And I'm going to stop him, because God has chosen me. He wasn't coward like Saul was, and the rest of them were, but he knew. He recognized himself. I am the one that God has chosen, and he took it. And he took it to David, uh, to Goliath, and he was able to defeat him. And I think we can all recognize ourselves. We see ourselves that God called us to this mission, not just to sit and watch, but to solve problems. And whenever error comes in, in the form of Goliath to raise his voice or grow tough, God has given us power to stop it. And we can't. 
Thank you. Yes, very important. We can. We just, nothing can vitiate that power bestowed upon man by God. Provide some help. You know, the other interesting thing, David was the youngest of many brothers. And one of the things that he also had to overcome was the opposition of his older brothers. Yeah. It even named them in the story. Yeah. And the brother says, what are you doing here? Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah true. So people in the household were opposing him doing what was his God-appointed mission. And here he was the smallest, youngest, humblest, but the most obedient. And that empowered him. It empowered him. He didn't listen, and he could have. Boy, if your older brothers tell you something, you might have just shuffled on home. Yes. And, you know, the end of the story, He, the, the Goliath was beheaded. That's right. To utter end. And Miss Eddie, I believe it was in her living room, most of you know, she had this statue of David with his head. But <laughs> on, on the head of Goliath, Goliath utter, utterly defeated and destroyed. And that's what we do with an error. You don't say, oh, I don't want to listen. Go away. Go away. I don't want to hear you. Shut up. I can't. I don't want to hear you. Believe me, back tomorrow morning. So you have to kill it. And how is that done? And Mrs. Eddie tells us in the blue book. Uh, she doesn't, I can't quote it, but she pretty much says, you lop off its head. Does, does any of you know what lops its head off? The first, the first commandment, thou shall have no other gods before me. That's what kills it. Because any error is a belief that there's a power other than God that you are believing and therefore you are afraid of it. When you know there's no other power but God, you obey him as David did, then you will lop off its head and that error will not be back taunting you in the morning. It will be gone. Otherwise, it will haunt you. I know. I've yes, been there. It'll follow you. It'll follow you, you all around. Wherever you go. <laughs> so I, I wanted to mention something that Maxwell Coot wrote. Um, and I hope, like, we're seeing in this discussion today, we're, we're coming up with a lot of wonderful principles of Christian science and teachings of Christian science, like, you know, consistency in the practice, what blesses one blesses all. There was another principle that is very, very important, which Maxwell Coote wrote about. He said, defiance is not against us, but against God. So we've talked a lot about this, that it's not personal. We can't get into personalities. We can't take things personally. I would like to share something from Spurgeon. Oh, good. Thank you. Um, he had a wonderful, he has several articles. This one was called The Lion Slayer and the Giant Killer. Um, at least eight pages. I'm only going to read a little part of it. I will post it on the website because I think it's uh, very worth re reading because it talks about all the different arguments that come to try to keep you from fighting the Goliath. But one of the arguments he talks about is age when it said that the you know, argument will come uh, what I did was done when I was a young man I cannot do the like now that trouble which I bore so patiently by God's grace 
was in other times, but this affliction has come upon me when I am less able to endure it, for I have not the elasticity of spirit which I had, nor the vigor I formerly possessed. And then it talks about the, trying to escape the truth. And I just thought this was uh, really important, and he did go on. And I thought I had it here, but he talked about that, like teaching in Sundays. Oh, here it is. David did not say, I slew a lion and a bear, and I have, my, uh, I have had my turn at such bouts. Let somebody else go and fight that mm -hmm. Philistine. Yet we have heard people say, when I was a young man, I taught in Sunday school. I used to go about preaching in the villages and so on. Oh, bother, why not do it now? Methinks you ought to be doing more instead of less. And I just love that. Thank Me you. Think. Yeah, those are, those are makes it. Um, yeah, that watching quote we had on last week. He can't retire from doing <laughs> work for God. Never, no. Yeah, and I think if God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and we are the reflection of Him, then why do we take the other, the other argument that oh, I'm slowing down, oh, this, the where, where is God then? Yeah, exactly, God. exactly. Thank you. And also, we go back to uh, someone talking about principles of Christian Science. Um, being grateful and counting your blessings. Um, I like what you just read because I think the experience that David had earlier on in his um, in his life uh, was what prepared him to be to yeah, face Goliath. He started running and he, I think he kind of thought, "Oh, yeah, I was able to slay those lions with my bare hand. Who is this man? I can do this. If God was with me." When I kill the lions, he's not going to leave me alone. He's going to be with me, with this guy. And he took it to the, uh, Goliath. And I think you go back to counting your blessings, you know, we, um, uh, uh, me included, we easily forget sometimes what God has brought us, um, what God has done in our life, and the things that God has used us to prove when we are facing problems. But if we can remember those things, and like David did, if I was able to prove God, then I can prove God today. And if God was able to use me, then He would use me today to defeat this uh, so-called Goliath and person. Instead of thinking, "Oh, I used to, I can do it now." No, no, you can't, because those are the things that will empower you today. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Hitherto the Lord hath helped us, and hitherto he will. Mm. May I just add one thing? Please. It'll be, it's from Mr. McKenzie, the boy David. The spirit of the boy David lives again in the leader of Christian science. Of the same royal line of moral courage, reflecting the same beauty and holiness, trusting in the same God of Israel. It's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. 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 So God is bigger than all the appearances of evil, no matter what they may be, because they're yeah. nothing but deception. 
Thank yeah. you. Yes, indeed. Well, thank you, Tom. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Thomas. I think we had thank a great, lively discussion today, lots of participation. So I thank you all for that and all your comments. And thank you. Yes, thank yep. you. Thank Indeed. you all. Thank you. Thank you, Tom, for all the material. Thank you, Tom. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much.